MailChimp presents. Say you're the head of marketing strategy for a small clothing store. You've perfected digital communication with your loyal customers, and now you want to expand into brick-and-mortar locations. But you haven't totally perfected your segmentation strategy, and double-checking the right emails are sent to the right customers just takes so much time. Intuit MailChimp can help. With Intuit MailChimp's automation and segmentation tools, personalizing each email based on individual behaviors is made easy. Intuit MailChimp allows you to share your new product launch with VIP customers who follow every release, run a targeted campaign for more seasonal buyers, and send out location-specific emails to promote your store openings among your new neighbors. They'll take care of your marketing needs so you can take care of your customers' needs. Start refining your email marketing strategy today with Intuit MailChimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. Availability of features and functionality vary by plan, which are subject to change. This is Listening, a podcast where we ask musicians to keep a sonic diary, transforming the sounds around them into a musical portrait of a particular moment and place. In each episode, we'll try on the ears of a different musician to find out how they listen. Hearing would give me like goosebumps, not so much like visual stuff for other things. If I fell for something, it was always because it had like a good sound and what their world sounds like. I'm Elia Einhorn. I'm a musician, radio host, and DJ. And as curator for listening, I have the great privilege of bringing you insights from some of the most exciting minds in music, like Laraji, Nico Case, Jalen, and today's guest, Bjork. It wasn't until I was like 25 or something when I was first trying to collect all my melodies that I'd written, not in a rehearsal room with a band. I felt like really like naked. It was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm sharing something that I've never shared with anyone. It was like I was opening my diaries for the world to invite them in. How does one introduce an artist like Bjork? She's made some of the most fascinating and adventurous music to be embraced both critically and commercially. Nominated at both the Grammys and the Academy Awards, Bjork's inimitable voice soars above and holds space within the evocative and often breathtaking emotional landscapes of her music. In this episode, we'll hear how Bjork came into her unique sensibilities as an artist, the influence of her home country of Iceland, and finding the spark of a recording. Then, we'll be teleported to one of her magical recent performances with the Hamarahif Choir, recontextualized in collaboration with legendary field recordist Chris Watson, and we'll meet up afterward to discuss. Bjork, thank you for speaking with me today. Yeah, thanks for speaking with me too. (laughs) You created this absolutely beautiful combination 
of this live performance with the choir of Hidden Place and New World. And you added in this beautiful volcanic rumble and sea ice surface noise. Before we discuss your piece, I'd love to talk about the act of listening. Can you recall a moment when you first became aware of sound? Good question. I definitely uh, was kind of a kid that sort of didn't speak a lot. I'm told I was always humming to myself kind of thing. So I think I probably was a kid that with sort of a very oversensitive uh, sense of hearing. I mean, I remember kind of looking back at it, like sort of banal things like one of my best friends at school, she invited me to her house. I don't know, I was 10 or something. And her family had just bought the first, um, you're probably too young to remember this, but like a sort of a drip coffee. A, a Mr. Coffee at that point, I think it would have been maybe, or uh, the automatic coffee machine though, sure. Yeah, yeah I don't know what's called in fancy English, but it made <laughs> this kind of really a, like, a lot of really interesting sounds. Looking back at this, I'm like, I'm just shaking my head and it just seems like a total caricature of who I am. <laughs> I literally was like just sitting there with my ears next to it, like listening to it for like the whole time, you know, the 15 minutes or however long it took to make a coffee. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought this was the best thing ever. I was just like in heaven. Mm-hmm. Like hearing would give me like goosebumps. Not so much like visual stuff for other things, Sort of overall, it's always like if I fell for something, it was always because it had like a good sound. With all that experience of listening over the years and through your career, do you feel that you listen differently from other people? No, I don't think so. I have a lot of friends who are not musicians, but they their connection with the ears is, is a very like delicious and satisfactory, like a sensual thing to hear a beautiful, you know, ship horns at the harbor or whatever. It, it'll be like chocolate. I mean, I went to Jamaica and I couldn't believe that what you were told was actually true. And you would drive past houses. We would call them like garden sheds. They were like not even waterproof. But then outside each house, there would be like same size speakers at like a dub concert, you know, speakers that were like better than sound speakers in, in your average club. Oh, wow. Yeah, so so people would sit very proudly outside and they would have, like, speakers the size of, like, a human being. Wow. I mean, then you understood, <laughs> oh, dub came from here. Okay, I get it, I get it. You'd mentioned that little 10-year-old Bjork listening with her ear pressed to the coffee maker. If you could go back in time and tell your 10-year-old self one thing about listening, what would it be? I actually feel quite lucky that as a kid, I was so unaware that music would become like a job, you know. It was just like a private thing between me and myself. And I felt really lucky that I was innocent to the fact that you could like make a living out of this or something. It was really like just a mystery that was just between me and myself. And it sounds really, really weird to say it, but I was like walking outside in all weathers, to school, in, in which I've said in many interviews, like writing melodies, my childhood and all the way, you know, until I was a teenager. And even though I was in bands, I never would mix those two worlds. That was always like my own, like, private world, you know, the stuff I did 
on my own just for like pleasure. Mm-hmm. And it was a space that I would like never ever share with anyone. And it was actually a very spiritual thing, like a very sort of ecstatic often, you know. It wasn't till I was like 25 or something when I was first trying to collect all my melodies that I'd written, not in a rehearsal room with a band, that I thought I felt like really like naked. It was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm sharing something that I've never shared with anyone. It was like really like obscene. It was like I was opening my diaries for the world to invite them in. There, there's areas in our lives where we are very impulsive and we protect the impulsive side in us as much as we can. And then there's the other half of us that, you know, do like math tests and, and apply social security forms and whatever. And that's a very separate section of us as people. With all that in mind, let's take a listen to the composition that Bjork created and we'll meet on the other side to discuss it. Da 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 
Bjork, thank you so much for this gorgeous and transportive music. I wonder, what are some sounds that you just adore? I love, like, wind noise, of course. It's very Icelandic, I guess. The sound that I put in the choir recording was a lake, like, freezing. I mean, there are some incredible sounds. Uh, For example, a sound artist, I mean, Blackout now, what his name is, I think Jess. He once set up, like, a surround system in, uh, had a concert in Iceland. It was in the Alps in the winter, and he recorded the metallic chords that go between the Alps. These chords, they were, like, in the wind, and then it took them, like, half an hour to freeze, and they would make these kind of notes. And you had to sit there in, like, surround sound for half an hour and listen to those chords slowly freeze. And I have to say that's one of the most sort of satisfying audio I've ever heard. I guess they were kind of like gigantic violin strings stretched between the Alps. So that was pretty epic. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of of Chris Watson, who is uh, obviously an icon when it comes to field recordings. Yeah. He's done some spectacular things. Like he goes every year and records around Iceland. One of my favorite recordings of his is he went to a fjord up in the north outside Husavik and put microphones in the water, wow. in, a, in this huge fjord. And then he recorded uh, an annual thing where like millions of shrimps were like clicking their claws. Oh my God. So it's like a... And he couldn't work out what that sound was. And it was just the most amazing sound. He had to like ask all these scientists and then he was basically, it's like some salsa shrimps doing like a percussion number in the ocean. Amazing. Well, and I understand that you and Chris have collaborated on a library of sounds that you've been putting together, including the sounds that we hear throughout your composition here. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I actually didn't record this myself, but of course I will credit the authors because I, I know enough about field recordings that it's an art form in itself. And I've actually run outside and recorded things like birds uh, for Utopia, boats for Volta, icicle sounds for Vespertine. And yes, some of my stuff ended up there, but to be honest, when I actually contacted the professionals and then bought their work and got permission and used it in my work, You just have to take your hat off because it's an art form in itself. So I decided to go down that route. I think it's like trial and error, like anything. I mean, I know I could maybe be an okay field recorder, but that means I would have to drop everything else that I do and just do that. A lot of it is when you hear stories of like Chris Watson and his colleagues, they go somewhere and wait somewhere for weeks and then they will get the best recording. For example, Chris Watson told me a beautiful story when the BBC were filming in Africa some lions eating zebras and they just couldn't get the sound right and they'd done the whole series. So they they flew him in on helicopter or something crazy. It was like urgency. He was like on land thrower out somewhere in some savanna, 
And then he went and he basically was sewing a lot of microphones inside uh, of dead zebra carcasses. Oh, wow. And then he went like a kilometer away waiting in a land thrower for, for weeks or I actually don't know how long he waited. And then he was basically listening to like surround sound. The lions come and, and eat the carcass. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it, it's like phenomenal recording. But wow. if you want to capture something like that, it's, I mean, it's a full-time job. You know? Oh, absolutely. I'm just thinking about like surround sound. I think with Ulnikura, I decided to go back to square one and just make it about the music. Mm-hmm. Not the technology, because in biophilia, technology was like really high uh, on the list. Um, and then when I did the VR album for Wulnikura, I started to get very excited about 360 sound, because when mm-hmm. we were doing uh, all the, the VR videos to the album, we had to sort of remix the music in 360 that's so cool. So the sonic experience of the audience actually does end up in sort of a retroactive way, affecting your approach. Yeah. Can you tell me about this incredible choir? Because this is just beyond. And, and the way that they're mic'd, it's incredible. Is it 54 members? Yeah, it's it's a legendary choir. It's been in Iceland, you know, we have like a high school in Iceland, which is sort of people go to here in Iceland if they're interested in, in the arts. Uh, and what is it called? It's called Hamrahlith Choir. And the lady who ran this choir, she's a total legend in Iceland because she both had like a really generous spirit and a lot of love and heart but also quite a disciplinarian. Uh, she just was, has always been capable of pushing the choir to, to sort of a place that is just that extra, extra some, something, like a higher uh, state. What I learned quickly, both in Homogenic when I was touring and then through Vespertine and more and more, is in order to get the acoustic experience on stage but still have like crazy techno beats, is you have to kind of use like close mics and then uh, overhead mics and you have to like mix. They hear themselves as individuals and they also have to merge it actually makes it into a better performance. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's like a lot of work, but I, it, in hope, my hope was that it would come out effortless, that people wouldn't hear it. They would, it would sound like they stood next to the choir and they could hear the individual voices, but also get this um, magical feeling when you, when choirs that have worked for a long time truly merge.
I wonder, what does this piece say about you and how does it document where you were in that moment? I'm not sure I can put into words. I think that's the beauty of sound. It was very interesting to try to fit the volcanic rumble because a lot of songs, it just doesn't match at all. It's, uh, yeah, it's like Tinder. It's like, it's rare that you find the match that works. And, and the same with the field recording of the ice. I think it was just through trial and error, really. And a lot of it is uh, very hard to explain. Like, what is it? What, what's the emotional nourishment you get from leaning your ear towards a coffee percolator? I'm just not sure what it is. <laughs> And it's still, it's still a mystery to me. I'm Elia Einhorn, and this is Listening. To revisit the ice flows and volcanoes of Iceland with Bjork and the Hamarahith Choir, head over to our companion compilation. Thank you so much for joining us on this wonderful journey of listening. Listening is an original series from MailChimp, made in partnership with TalkHouse and 3DB.